Mahatma Gandhi was born on October 2nd, which is nowadays celebrated as the International Day of Nonviolence. When I was a kid, which was not that far back in time, despite what you may think, two things would happen on October 2nd. One, they would ask someone in the school to dress up as Gandhi. And I'm glad that I was never traumatized despite my lank physique then and my Gujarati roots. And two, Doordarshan would show the biopic Gandhi, which made people believe that Ben Kingsley was the real Gandhi. Just like people confused Nelson Mandela with Morgan Freeman. Morgan Free person, I mean. We have to be careful nowadays. Gandhi evokes a range of emotions in people. From total abstinence in some, I mean from violence, to total submission in others, I mean to hypocrisy. So much is written about Gandhi that I would simply be repeating what someone else has already said. But that is fine. We will analyze non-violence, the Kansaratwa way. Let us ask a simple question. What does Gandhi mean in today's world? Gandhi means money, which is not really that ironical if you consider what Sarojini Naidu had joked about him, that it costs the nation a lot of money to keep Gandhi poor. Also, Gandhi was in one of the earlier ads for Apple with the tagline, Think Different. This was before the iPhone days when Apple used to make cubes with rounded edges instead of rectangles with rounded corners. Gandhi may mean khadi, as he is usually shown spinning yarns, I mean, spinning cotton threads on a charkha. The charkha has been a heavy political symbolism since the days it was used on one of our earlier flags. If that were not enough, Prime Minister Modi is seen doing photo ops, spinning the wheels of charkha as if he is spinning the wheels of time or the wheels of justice. Sometimes I believe that if Modi rubs the charkha three times, the spirit of Mohandas Karamchand Gandhi would come back to the earth, invisible and confused. Even if that were to happen, for anything is possible in a world where a new age Gandhi has to find a swatch place to fall down, the old age Gandhi would probably fly away to where he came from, seeing all that is being done in his name. Derek O'Brien, if you remember, indulged in constitutional non-violence and then did a dharna under the statue of Gandhi. What exactly does a charkha symbolize anyway in today's world? It does not symbolize non-violence, certainly, for the simple reason that you could pick it up and throw it on someone violently. It does not symbolize tradition, as spinning a charkha is not a tradition, like celebrating Durga Puja with idols of any size, despite what the Maharashtra government says or growing a tulsi plant at home. If you do not have a tulsi plant at home, get one. And maybe, just maybe, that is the symbolism we need for a universally Hindu tradition. Gandhi considered the charkha as a symbol for the Swadeshi movement or self-reliance, a symbol for attaining Swaraj. And for whatever reasons, he thought that the charkha was the way to free the society from poverty and slavery. To Gandhi, the charkha was a symbol for rebellion, for evolution, and yet Gandhi never burnt a charkha and retort, it is my charkha and I burn it, what is your problem? Gandhi was no Captain Amarinder Singh, but then he loved his charkha. In fact, 
This is what he said to a group of students. I feel the spinning wheel has all the virtues needed to make one's life truthful, pure and peaceful and fill it with the spirit of service. I, therefore, beg of you all to give half an hour's labor daily in the form of spinning. The one profession that has taken to the symbolism quite literally is journalism, although they spend more than half an hour of labor daily in the form of spinning. Once I was in an airport, I think it was Karnavati, which had a display of the world's largest wooden charkha grotesquely installed outside the entrance. For all I know, it may still be there. Once you went inside the airport, Gandhi was staring at you from everywhere, smiling his toothless smile and asking you to visit the specially constructed Gandhi Museum so that you can learn more about Gandhi. In the space between two Gandhi photos was a quote by Gandhi. And in the space between two quotes by Gandhi was a photo of Gandhi. It was an irony in the deepest sense that the airport was just named after Sardar Vallabhai Patel, but all you found inside was Gandhi. It was as if Gandhi invented aviation, which, as we all know, is not true because Nehru invented aviation. It is always Nehru, unless, of course, it is those Mughals. A charkha, anyway, was a symbol for Swaraj, for self-reliance. And what did Prime Minister Modi announce recently? Atmanirbhar Bharat or self-reliance. On an annoyance scale of 1 to 10, where 1 is scratching your fingernails against a steel plate and 10 is listening to Shruti Hasan singing, Prime Minister Modi's obsession with Gandhi is a solid 20. Yet, and listen to this closely, yet, when it came to Atmanirbhar Bharat, Modi did not use the charkha as the symbol. While there is no symbol for Atmanirbhar Bharat, which is actually very strange, the one that is sometimes used is that of the related initiative, Make in India, the lion with gears. So essentially, even the Prime Minister does not really believe in the relevance of charkha symbolism. By spinning a yarn on a charkha, the Prime Minister is simply spinning a yarn that he stands for the ideals of Gandhi. A necessary yarn too, because in a world that is beset with utopian ideas such as secularism, socialism, freedom of speech, world peace and green tea, Gandhi gave us one more, non-violence. From the land of snake charmers, India became the land of Gandhi, non-violent, non-aligned and a non-entity, almost. For the global powers, non-violence became a stick to beat India with. If India went to war, someone would say, how can the land of Gandhi indulge in wanton violence? Testing a nuclear device? Gandhi, non-violence. Shoring up border defense? Gandhi, non-violence. Correcting architectural colonialism? Gandhi, non-violence. Celebrating Navratri? Gandhi, non-violence. Hitting a six in cricket? Gandhi, non-violence. Worshipping Makali? Gandhi, non-violence. When the angry Hanuman sketch popped up everywhere, some said that this is militant Hindutva, assigning aggression and belligerence to gods. What do you think Hanumanji did when he was in Lanka? O revered Lord Ravan, son of sage Vishrava, I, Hanuman, son of Vayu, 
bring to you these doves with an olive branch each in their beaks as a symbol of non-violence from Lord Ram, son of Dasharath. Also, I bring to you the charkha, O Lord, which you can spin half an hour daily to eliminate the unbecoming thoughts that infest your virtuous mind. It may not help you, O Lord, for it did not help Gandhi either. But spinning a yarn is a non-violent action and therefore should not be condemned. I humbly request you, O Lord, to release Ma Sita, daughter of Janak, so that we can all carry on with our lives non-violently. Otherwise, I would have to summon the entire Vanar Sena, along with Lord Ram and Lakshman, and release Daus with an olive branch each in their beaks all over Lanka. And your citizens, O Lord, would have to spend all the time cleaning white dielectric material. It is not a threat, for I believe in non-violence. O Lord of Lanka, live long and prosper. In fact, such adulpated arguments on Ahimsa were the reason why I dedicated my debut book to the angry gods. If non-violence had not been thrust upon us, more of us would be reading Bhagavad Gita than singing Ishwara Allah Tero Naam Sabko Sanmati De Bhagwan. In the book Argumentative Indian, the non-violent Nobel Prize winner Amartya Sen says, Arjun's contrary arguments are not really vanquished, no matter what the message of the Bhagavad Gita is meant to be. If someone wants to read that book, I can give it to you. I haven't read it. Of course, when it comes to stone pelters and naxals and terrorists who have no religion, Gandhi and non-violence disappear like some of the Bollywood actors did, fearing NCB summons. In fact, Arundhati Roy, whose non-violent obsession for destroying anything Indian is just a tad less than the News Minute's non-violent obsession for destroying anything Hindu, calls such non-violent terrorists as Gandhians with guns. I have a feeling they place their non-violent AK-47 on a charkha before shooting someone dead. The auditory equivalent of the charkha is the beautiful bhajan, Vaishnava Janato Tene Kahiye Je Peed Parai Janere, which was actually composed by the 15th century Gujarati poet Narsi Mehta. It has as much to do with Gandhi as chai latte with coconut milk has to do with tea. Every year, Modi would use the charkha and this bhajan for symbolism, or rather distraction. And every year, the usual suspects would churn out some article or the other on why the charkha or this bhajan or the need of the hour in today's violent world. The bhajan has a line that Gandhi himself did not follow, Parastri Jene Matre, and a line that the usual suspects never really get to, Ram Nama Shu Tarire Lagi Sakaratiratha Tena Tanmare. Here is my suggestion to them. Understand it and embrace this line fully. Narsi Mehta was a prolific poet and his songs are sung even today in parts of Gujarat as Prabhatya, Songs for the Dawn, Bhajans and even Navratri songs such as Ame Mayara Re Gokul Gamna and Asha Bharyate Ame Aviare. If you want to listen to some good Garba Dandiya songs, I would recommend that you listen to songs such as these than the garbage like Chogara Tara that is churned out by Bollywood in the name of Garba and Dandiya. Listen to the original one that starts with Atra Tatra Sarvatra Kare Shubh Gauri Putra Ganesh. Although this year, thanks to the Wuhan virus, and if you are in Mumbai, thanks to Navratri would be a muted affair. 
i am sure gujaratis would come up with inventive ways to keep their navratri spirit alive but the fervor of being in a crowd would definitely be missed unlike festivals such as holi and diwali navratri and durga puja have till now attracted relatively less creative non violence from the usual gang of deracinated and dunderheaded dingleberries one patriarchy becomes a tad difficult when the festivals worship the mother goddesses two casteism becomes a tad difficult when everyone enjoys the festivals and three environmental impact becomes a tad difficult when there is hardly any water or smoke i am not saying that they have not tried they certainly have and i wouldn't be surprised if there is a pil in the supreme court to control the decibel levels during navratri because the supreme court made it clear that they knew their airwaves from electromagnetic waves when they were hearing about sudarshan tv another pil could be on whether the concerted footsteps during navratri could cause seismic resonance and trigger earthquakes closer home i mean on twitter a recent trend i noticed is provoking gujaratis and bengalis to fight with each other by deliberately using navratri and durga puja interchangeably of course some of the bengalis were not amused at this how dare someone create an equivalence between durga puja and the dance around with sticks routine it's fine it's a non violent way of making a point at least when a netflix show on stories by rabindranath tagore directed by anurag basu showed a hindu girl offering namaz something which was not in the original story kabuliwala the outrage was how dare someone twist tagore yes someone can twist our festivals our goddesses our epics and it's all fine as long as they don't twist our legendary personalities after all the others are not from our hallowed land so that's it folks the non silence of non violence is just nonsensical question it criticize it denounce it and if nothing works there is always spinning a charka for half an hour a day you can also listen to vaishnava janato but as a bhajan from narsi mehta not as some talisman from gandhi or non violence finally read some real history about the non violence of ashok the great and why future historians made him the great and change dates of events the way gandhi changed partners mema chamunda bless you all